But I'm going to start and begin today, and I'm so grateful you are here at the 9.15 with one less hour of sleep. Good job. Um, How many of you, like, will go to sleep earlier because you know you're going to lose an hour? Okay, a few of you. How many of you are like, I'm just going to take a loss? I'm just going to take this loss and try to make, yeah, same, same, I try. But my question for you this morning wasn't that, but it's this. What gets you in your feels? What gets you feeling? You know, what, what stirs up emotion inside of you? Maybe for you it's watching a really good movie or reading a really good book. Recently, Carlos and I watched a man named Otto, and it was sad and inspiring and a little bit depressing. But it was good, you know, and maybe... Um, for those of you joining us online, whatever you hear me say, I'd like to hear your comments, like to read your comments of what gets you in your feels. Maybe for you, it's hearing a very talented musician get lost in their instrument. Or maybe a month ago, you were the one listening to Chris Stapleton sing the national anthem and really just feeling it, right, at the Super Bowl. We got the Eagles coach really getting in the feels with that song, Or maybe it's seeing a couple like Joan and Roger, like we got to see last week, um, share about their almost 60-year commitment to each other in marriage. Or maybe for you, it's experiencing nature, a waterfall or a sunset or the Grand Canyon. Hopefully, it'll come up um, there. But I was at the Grand Canyon, and I was really inspired by being there. You should not sit at the edge. Don't ever do that. Um, That was a one-time thing that I decided to do, but uh, I was told it's not allowed, so don't do it. Um, But um, maybe for you, it's uh, seeing someone's post on social media about something that you completely disagree with, and that'll get you really feeling something. Maybe it's the different tragedies and the news going around in our world that will get you feeling or maybe it's watching your favorite sports team win or lose, whatever it is, right? Sports are very emotional. But on that note, I want to ask you this other question. What um, is something or when was the last time that you were moved by something, right? When was the last time that you were moved by something? I had an opportunity last year to witness one of our high school students receive an award. And it was... Um, Oliver Rhodes, and he shared that um, what motivated and inspired him to be a Boy Scout was watching the movie Up. And he watched that movie, and since he was a little kid, he told mom and dad, that's what I want to do. I want to join the Boy Scouts. So because of that, mom and dad rearranged their lives and made sure that this would work for them, and he received an Eagle Scouts Award. So good job. Good job. We're so proud of you. But I love that it was watching a movie that moved him to action. He was moved to action, and he did it. See, emotions are a rich part of the human experience. They're a gift from God, and though I know this, I know this, I know emotions are good, and they're rich, and God gave them to me, Ah, if I'm honest, I don't always like feeling. I don't always like being in my feels um, because emotions can be messy and complicated. They can take you on a wild ride, right? And see, what's also true about emotions is that when they are brought to Jesus 
and we learn to govern them and not them rule us, then it's beneficial. They are beneficial and they are healing. See, emotions are a vital part of our faith. We cannot separate our spiritual growth from our emotional health, and that's why Speed Scazzaro, the author of Emotion Healthy Spirituality, has written many books about that. Um, and see, emotions are meant to prompt us. They're meant um, as indicators and motivators, and it's important to pay attention. If there's an emotional outburst that you're experiencing, it's good that you note it. Or there's like a really strong reaction, it's good that we, we, we take a note of it because it'll clue us in to what's really going on in our hearts and in our souls. Author John Eldridge says, most people don't pay attention to what they're feeling. We've come to rely on emojis to express ourselves. And to that, I say, amen. <laughs> I'm guilty. I will often respond with an emoji than with words. It's just, uh, I need help sometimes feeling. Um, but see, when we look at the Gospels, when we look at the good news of Jesus, we see and we read that Jesus, he felt compassion. He felt anger. He felt sorrow. He felt joy, anxiety, and actually the list goes on. It's quite long of all the emotions he felt. And we read that he wept. He groaned. He sighed. I sigh too when I'm frustrated, very loud. You'll hear me sigh, and you'll know, okay, she's frustrated about something. So I thank Jesus that he gets me, that he gets you. He knows what you feel, and Jesus also, he also rejoiced. And in Hebrews 4.15, it says that Jesus sympathizes with us. Jesus felt the same struggles we feel and so in this series, we are looking at Jesus, the feeler. And we're calling it Jesus, the emotions of Jesus because if we're going to be more like Jesus, we cannot dismiss his emotions. Or as Bill Goldtier said, to become like Jesus, we need to befriend his emotions. And this one for me can be hard. But the invitation to you in this series is that we as Paul has said in 2 Corinthians 3.18, is to gaze upon Jesus, to look at Jesus and learn to experience the emotions of Jesus because in doing so, we'll become more holy and more whole. So 2 Corinthians 3.18 says this, and we all with unveiled faces contemplate or gaze the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. So it is by communion with Jesus. So taking the time to contemplate him, to get to know him, to gaze upon him, we are transformed. And see, because in knowing him, we know ourselves and how God created us to be. One of the emotions that he's wired into you and he's wired into me is compassion. And see, in Matthew 9, 35 and 36, it says this. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And then when he saw the crowds, he had what? 
compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. It was in the midst of Jesus' teaching, in the midst of his proclaiming the good news and healing that he saw the people. So we could say that Jesus was going about his business when he noticed the people, when he saw. See, there is a looking. There is a seeing, a noticing of the people that are present in our lives. But it's not just a physical seeing. It's a seeing that transcends. We call it discernment a sensing of their condition, a spiritual insight into their being, Jesus was able to perceive with his eyes. So what we learn from Jesus is that compassion is felt by engaging our senses. In this case, it was Jesus' eyes. So this is what I want you to know. To really see, we need to take the time to look. How many wives and mothers have said to your spouse or to your children, would you go get me whatever it is that you need from the refrigerator, whether it's ketchup or sriracha sauce or something, and they go and they open the fridge and they're like, it's not here. I don't see it. What are you talking about? You know? And then you go and you're like, it's right in front of you. <laughs> like it's poking your eyes, my mom would say. Um, and so it's this, you know, you're, you're, are you really looking for it to see it, right? And so, or, you know, it's, it's like driving through a neighborhood versus walking through a neighborhood, when you're driving, you are going to miss. You're not going to notice some of the things that are in that neighborhood unless you walk through it. There is a slowing down, and you're able to notice, okay, oh, I've never noticed that yellow door. Or that plant is really awesome. Like, you're able to pick up stuff and see. And a lot of the times, honestly, the reason we don't notice or really see what's going on is because we are so distracted by our devices or even by our thoughts, Right? And so to be present and really see, because compassion sees people. And see, the question, a good question to ask yourself is, is my life too busy to see the people that God's put in front of me? Is my life too busy to see the people that God's put in front of me? Because there's another story in Luke chapter 7 Verse 13, it's out of the message version that says, As they approached the village gate, they met a funeral procession, and a woman's only son was being carried out for burial. And the mother was a widow. When Jesus saw her, his heart broke. And he said to her, Don't cry. Then he went over and he touched the coffin. See, Jesus saw her. There's a reaction that happens. There is this heartbreaking. And the word compassion in the Greek, it's the word splakzunomai. I like pronounce it so well at the other service. I don't know. I need more coffee. But anyways, it's this word that means from the vital organs. 
The Greeks regarded the bowels, the splachna, as the place where strong and powerful emotions originated. And so it was this metaphorical expression of an emotional sensation. So like saying gut-wrenching or heartbreaking, right? Um, To feel it in the innermost part of a person's being. So the compassion of Jesus not only sees the trouble, but he seeks to put things right in people's lives. And so seeing this funeral procession and the mother crying, Jesus is moved and he touches the coffin. Now, touching dead bodies was a big no in this culture or anything that the bodies were touching. So if Jesus doing this, he crosses this cultural divide and he goes and he touches and he he knows I know what the society says I know what the law says but I'm gonna touch this person and he does that and I love that his love and his compassion is so radical and we see that and see in the following stories that I'm going to share with you really quickly you'll see that Jesus not only saw people but he He got close. He got close to people. And so compassion gets close enough to touch. In Mark 140, it shows that Jesus responding with compassion to a man with leprosy. See, I'm sure you've heard about leprosy. It's this skin condition, this disease that gets somebody separated from community. You couldn't see your family. You were considered unclean. Nobody would want to touch you. And so here is this man going to Jesus, wailing, begging that Jesus would heal him. And out of compassion, Jesus touches the leper. And I wonder if Jesus, knowing maybe how long this man had gone without the human touch, goes ahead and touches him. Maybe Jesus said, I'm going to touch him because if I were in his skin, that's what I would want. See, compassion welcomes others' perspective. And then there's another story in Matthew 20, verse 31, of two blind men. And it says that they were yelling to get the attention of Jesus. They heard him, so they're yelling. And then Jesus responds, what do you want me to do for you? And see, I wonder if Jesus said, man, I'm going to engage these men And I'm going to hear them out because everyone else has been trying to quiet them down. So I am going to talk to them. I want to hear. Why are you yelling? Why are you so desperate for my attention? And then they say, after Jesus asked, what do you want me to do for you? They say, open our eyes. And Jesus has compassion on them and touches their eyes. There it is again. He touches. He crosses this divide that exists where people say, no, no, don't touch. Stay away. 
he touches, he goes, and he goes forward. And not only does he that, but he engages them in conversation. Compassion listens. And then there are the 5,000 people in Matthew 15, 32, who had traveled a long way, who are in a deserted place. And Jesus says, I have compassion for these people. I don't want to send them away hungry. They might faint along the way. And so he asked, what do you have? Right? He asked his disciples. And his disciples, they take what they, very little that they had, right? Only a couple loaves and a couple fish, and they bring them to Jesus. So that shows me that compassion gives out of what we have. So we see that Jesus, he heals the sick, he raises the dead, feeds the hungry. Jesus is moved to compassion when he saw their physical need for healing, their physical need for food, and their emotional need for comfort. And I love that compassion is a direct emotive for these five miracles that we just read. So my question to you is, how, how do we get close to the people in our world? How do we cross the cultural divide and the societal divides? Even maybe the religious divides and barriers that exist. How do we get close enough to the people in our world? And I think from what we read, we can conclude that you invite others perspectives and you listen in our time it's so easy to share our opinion right share our opinion about everything every single one of us if we want it we have a platform it's so easy all you need is an email address and you have a platform to share your opinions about everything with the people in your social spheres. And what happens a lot is that we share our opinion about social issues without really taking the time to understand. What is it to live life in their skin? What is it? Have we really taken the time to listen? to invite their perspective, to have them share with us. Have you heard their story? See, in Matthew 9.36, the verse that we started with, it says that there is, I want you to point to an important detail about what Jesus sees in the people. It says that he sees that they are harassed and they are helpless, right? Like sheep without a shepherd. So one way to see beyond what we see is to listen to people's stories. And in listening, guess what happens? The Holy Spirit, if you're a believer in Christ, gives you insight. He prompts you. He shows you. See, one of the things that I see in the Bible is that God's people are often compared to sheep. And because Jesus mentioned it here in this scripture. Oh, isn't that a cute sheep? Sticking the tongue out. It and you were taking a picture. Um, Jesus compares people to, to, to 
to sheep and the people that he sees in the crowd, he says, they're like sheep without a shepherd. So let's look at some of the characteristics of sheep. They are, besides being cute, they are defenseless animals. They are animals that are preyed on. So without a sheepdog or a shepherd to offer them protection, they are going to become lamb chops or birria for a hungry wolf, right? And they are also, um, without the care of a shepherd, they are helpless. You know what happens to sheep when their um, uh, fleece isn't uh, cut down or sheared? It just keep, their wool just keeps growing and growing and growing to the fact that it gets really heavy. And so a good shepherd will not let that happen to the sheep. It will come and shear it down. And another thing that shepherds do to sheep is they um, anoint them with oil, right? Psalm 23, there's a portion that says, you anoint my head with oil. So shepherds do that. They will pour oil over the head, over the face of the sheep, so that the oil serves as a protection, as a lubricant over the eyes, so that the flies don't have a place to come and lay eggs in their eyes and then obscuring their vision. So that is what a shepherd provides for a sheep too. And another thing, the physiology of a sheep, because their legs are so little, if they fall, they have a hard time getting back up. So they need help to get back up when they fall. Does that remind you of anyone? They need help to get back up when they fall. And there is a condition that if they don't get help getting back up, the blood rushes to that one part and it probably can lead to their death. And so they run the risk of dying if no one is there to care for them. And we know this from reading the parable in the Bible, they are prone, sheep are prone to wander away from the flock. And that's why it says that the good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes after the one. I want to show you a picture of a lost sheep. That is a lost sheep in Australia. It was lost for a few years. Look how big it got. Sheep need care. You and I need care. Our friends and family need care. See, Jesus saw the oppression that the people were under not only by the Roman government, but by the religious leaders who were supposed to care for them. He saw the weariness of their souls. Some verses say that people were scattered, which means they were without direction. They were lost. People that had been preyed on, people who had no one to help them with the weight of their lives or their sin, whose sight had been obscured, people who were downcast with no one to help them get back up. People who wandered away from community and not having someone help them find their way back. So what is Jesus saying with they are like sheep without shepherd? He's saying that he cares for the condition of the human soul. He cares. He cares for your spiritual well-being, not just your physical well-being. And we too, as God's children, should be moved to care for people's spiritual needs. 
And see, compassion is what ignited and fuel Jesus' mission. It's compassion that led him to action. And I want to read this story from author and professor G. Walter Henson. He writes the story of when he was living in the Philippines, and he says this. He says that he, along with this mentor, were watching small children scavenging for food on mountains of smoking garbage outside of Manila. And he goes on to say, the nauseating stench turned my stomach. And when a little boy struggled to turn over a rotting dog to find something under it, he shares that his mentor's body started convulsing with sobs. Oh God, oh God, please God, save these children. And he says that whenever he reads about Jesus' compassion for the crowds of starving people, he hears the heart-rending cry of his mentor. And because of this experience, this mentor, Phil Armstrong, has gone and started mission projects across the world. So my question for us to explore and to talk to the Lord about this week is, man, how can we grow in compassion? And I've already told you the answer. We, we spend time with Jesus, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, right? We gaze upon his face. We, we spend time with our heavenly Father. The same professor writes, Jesus' empathy flowed out from, the, from his intimacy with the Father. In times alone with God, Jesus gained emotional receptivity and energy. Jesus made time to be with God. And if you and I are going to grow in this emotion of compassion, we need to make room in our lives to be with Jesus. Time and time again, we see and we read in Jesus' life, he makes time to be alone and to grow in compassion. It starts with communion with him. So we start with communion with him because we cannot give what we've not received. Compassion sees, compassion touches, compassion listens, and compassion moves or gives so we spend time with Jesus because you know what happens when we spend time with Jesus and we can, we can be honest about the hardship that we're facing and the pain that we've endured. And he meets us there with compassion. And we get close to people by inviting others' perspective and asking what is it like to be in their skin. Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes this, if we want to be Christian, we must share in Christ's large-heartedness, his liberating love for all who suffer. And so one practical way that you can move in compassion, practicing one of these compassion gives, is by being part of Guatemala Go or Mexico Homes of Hope that will be coming up this year. But there's a meeting going on today at 12.30. You're invited to be a part of that. Maybe it's hearing about the people there that will steer your heart up to help. Maybe today for you, it's giving towards um, the water filtration system in the village of Chicalte. 
Those are very practical ways. But I encourage you that this week, you would spend some time alone with Jesus and in communion with him. Invite, have him say, Lord, I want to see with your eyes. I want to see the people that you've placed around me. I want to care for the loss. I want to care for those that are living their lives without anybody shepherding them. So I want to invite you to um, close your eyes right where you are. I want to pray, Jesus, would you help us see the people you have placed around me the way God sees them? Lord, would you help me to compassionately shepherd those whose souls are downcast? Because you, Lord, are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. And how fitting is it that we end our time together today with communion? But before I invite you to participate in communion, I have a question for those that are present either in the room or watching online. Maybe you've never openly said yes to the compassion God showed you with Jesus dying at the cross where Jesus was crucified for the forgiveness of your sins. But we know that also on the third day he rose so that you would know life beyond death. So if you're watching online and you want to respond to saying yes to this invitation that God makes to you to receive the gift of salvation, to receive his compassion personified through Jesus. If you've never put your faith in Jesus and today you want to make the decision and you are watching online, I invite you to just write Jesus on the comments. And if you're here in person in the room, I'm going to invite you, if that's you and you're making a decision to put your faith in Jesus, to receive the compassion of God, would you look up at me so that I can agree with you? God loves you. He cares for you. He wants to make things right. And we're so glad you're here today. I see you. I agree with you. If there's anybody else, look up at me so that I can agree with you. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross. And I want to invite the rest of you to grab a communion cup. Hopefully you have it with you. If you need one, raise your hand. And I will have our connections team come around and give you one. I need one. Now, as we prepare to participate in our bread and in our cup, what we call communion, 
I would like you to take some time before you take it. Just say, Jesus, what is it that you're wanting me to see? Who is it that you're wanting me to see? Maybe it's bringing your emotion and what you're feeling to him in this moment and saying, Jesus, this is how I feel right now. And this is where I need you to meet me. I'm going to give you time to do that. Lord, thank you. For feeling and knowing what we feel. Thank you that you get us. And Lord, I pray that for everyone in this room or watching from home, that in this moment you would meet them and whatever it is that they're feeling. But Lord, you would also help us. We want to cry out like the blind men. Lord, help us to see. Open our eyes to the hurting. Open our eyes to those that are live without hope. And Lord, help us to respond with grace and with care. And Lord, we thank you as we get ready to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. We thank you for the compassion that you have for us every single day, for the compassion that was shown to us at the cross. Lord, thank you. You can take your bread. And when you're ready, you can peel off the top of the cup. And as you thank him, drink your juice. Thank you, Lord. You love us. You care for us. And you are so good to us. So, Father, thank you that you are with us in the hard times and you are with us in the good days. Today, we trust you and we thank you for the hope that the cross gives. But more important, for the joy of the resurrection, Lord. In Jesus' name, can we say amen? amen? Amen. Would you stand right where you are? We are so grateful for you. And you can take the little cups, and there's trash receptacles as you exit, so you can place them there. But we love you, Evergreen, and we are so glad that you're here.
And we're so glad that you're part of this community. And we pray that your week would be so blessed and that you would grow in compassion. Amen. We love you. Happy Sunday.